Hey everyone, welcome back to the MM Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum. And today we are going to do our mid-season NHL awards. Um, excited for this one. It's about uh, about time of the season where I think just about everyone has 41 games played or so, if I'm not mistaken. So right around that halfway mark. Yeah, just looking now, there's a bunch of teams with 41, a couple in the 42, 43, and then uh um Still a handful with 39 as well. But generally speaking, everyone is right at that halfway mark. Uh, so what better time than now to do the um, midseason awards? Um, so we have our big six awards that we, you know, that people can vote on. Hart, Norris, Vesna, Calder, Jack Adams, and Selkie. We're not doing the one of nine that they have for being a good person and a leadership award or anything like that. Uh, and then we also made our own um, category, which is the most improved award. So uh, basically, we can call this one the Tage Thompson Award. Uh, Chase and I both agreed not to use Tage Thompson because it was very obvious that he would be the candidate. Um, but it's a player like that, where it's a guy who is either gone from, like, in Tage Thompson's case, not an NHL player to a legitimate star, or at least someone who you just didn't have really a radar on, but has been legitimately very good this year. So kind of like the, the most improved in basketball, if, if anyone pays attention to the NBA closely, they have a most improved as well, and it's a similar idea. Um, so let's start with a smaller one, Shane. Let's save the heart for maybe last. Does that sound good? Okay, I'm in. Uh, let's start with the Calder. Let's go with the rookies. Okay, I like the Calder. It's, uh, it's probably my second favorite award. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun. I, I think there's a lot of different ways to, to analyze this one. And, um, you know, it's one that I find sometimes, I don't know, see, I say this, I guess I say this, but last year, Cider, people decided Cider was winning it by November. But I feel like a lot of times it's just, oh, who has the most points for rookies? And that's the kind of the way it goes. But there should be a lot more nuance than that. And I think this year there really should be. Yeah, this year's a lot more interesting. Last year was one of the more boring ones I can remember, to be honest. Yeah, and I think part of that was because, like, Zegers just didn't really excel. Like, he was good. He had the highlight reels and stuff. But, like, it was like, oh, yeah, Sider's a legitimate, you know, NHL defenseman. And then the rest of it just wasn't that uh, entertaining, maybe, is the way to put it. Well, it wasn't even really that close. No. So um, this year is a lot more entertaining. I think there's a lot of different ways you could go with the Calder this year. Uh, I think there's going to be a forward that's definitely on top. I think there's a couple goalies you could put in and a couple defensemen as well. So I'm going to start with my honorable mentions. I never really know how to weigh goaltending versus skaters in this, and especially with age as well. So I just put both the goalies that I think could legitimately be top three and maybe another chance to win in Logan Thompson and Stuart Skinner on my ballot as honorable mentions. Yeah, those those both work. I didn't even really bother with the goalies. I don't know how to treat those. You could probably make an argument like Logan Thompson's been the most impactful rookie pretty easily, but I don't know. It just feels weird. It does feel weird. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to balance, you know, goaltending versus uh, uh, skaters because, you know, again, like it's much like we'll say when we get to the heart, you know, I don't have any goalies on my heart ballot. If we're being honest about valuable all five players that I had on my heart ballot would be goalies, but yeah, you know, like that's just how it would be every year. So, um, and, and I'm just looking it up too. Like I'm just trying to look up quickly on the fly and evolving hockey here, Stuart Skinner and Logan Thompson, their gar numbers, uh, evolving hockey. Uh, Stuart Skinner has been worth 17 and a half goals above replacement this year. Yeah. Which would be 
it would be tied for first in skaters. Yeah, like uh, the the I mean, he's not one, the top goalie in the league. Yeah, the number one skater is Jack Hughes so far in Gara at seventeen point five, uh, and then Logan Thompson five point three. It would be down at closer to about the hundred and thirtieth most valuable player, which has, that seems not unrealistic, but still, yeah. Uh, yeah, that really so yeah. makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I had both both Evans my normal mentions. Again, I think if either one of them continues to uh take a big workload and play as well as it, Stuart Skitter actually has been much better than I even gave him credit for. Peter Kochkev was the other one from Carolina. Uh that I kind of was the reason I looked into goalies, but um yeah. Uh did you have any honorable mentions? My honorable mention, I just have one per award. I have Jack Quinn. Yep, that's a good one. I, I had him considered as well. Uh, had him on the outside looking in, but he's been, especially from an underlying perspective, considering his point totals haven't been like off the charts or anything like that, he's been really solid. He reminds me of Seth Jarvis last year. Not like mm-hmm. crazy point totals, but really good underlying numbers. And then he hasn't played enough to like really rocket up the list based on his underlying numbers, but still fantastic as a as a rookie. Yeah, exactly. He ranks second among all rookies in goals of replacement by Evolving Hockey. Um, and that's in, you know, seven less games than the guy who's in first as well. So, Yeah, yeah great yeah. season for him. Probably exactly. In Buffalo. Yeah, you've got to be really happy with Buffalo because that's not going to be the last Buffalo player on this list. No, no. Um, all right, let's get to number three then. Uh, yeah, for number three, I had, uh, I think he might be one on some people's list. I have Matty Beniers. Yeah, I also own three, and this is a guy I think – yeah, could be one just due to his scoring rate. I mean, he's been really good. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not just his scoring. He is the guy who leads uh, rookies in goals above replacement by evolving hockey's metrics with 11.1. Uh, leads all skaters or all rookies in points with 34. And the next is Nathan McTavish with 26. Uh, he's been a huge reason that Seattle has gone from a bottom team to looking like they could be a playoff team. Yeah, they look, it looks like they have legitimate upside in their forward core, which is something that they desperately needed. And between him and McCann, it looks like they actually have it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and that's encouraging that uh, all their eggs are not just in the Shane Wright basket now. Yes, it's very nice that they can diversify. So, um, yeah, no, I, I love, you know, Manny, Manny Beniers is, he's just been, I'd say, like, quietly good, too. Like, he's not like a human highlight machine or anything. He's just, yeah, just kind of scoring at, under a point per game clip, but you know, gonna hit probably 65, 70 points this year, which is really good for a 19 year old center. Yeah, exactly. And I I only saw him live once because he just happened to be in Seattle for Seahack. Didn't look like he was sheltered or anything either. And he's put up really good defensive numbers too. So that's promising. Yeah, I think he, from what I understand, again, I haven't watched too many Seattle games either, but from what I understand, he just kind of plays, uh, you know, the second line center on that team and, you know, they use him accordingly. Yeah, exactly. And he's he's treated like a god there. <laughs> and yeah, I'd say first big prospect that kind of makes sense too, right? Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. I was explaining that to Alicia. She's like, Oh, is he like one of the best prospects in the league? So like, well, I mean he's really, really good, but like yeah, it, it makes sense why, because such a new team and everything, he would be if you're gonna get a Seattle jersey, he'd be the first guy that would stick out and be like, That's who I want. Yeah, absolutely. Um we might have the same top three here, and I was not expecting that, to be honest. Yeah, I wasn't either. I wonder if we'll have the one and two the same, because I have a feeling I know who one and two are. 
Give me your two. Two? This is where I think we might differ. I do have Sanderson. I also have Sanderson. I wanted to oh, put man. my boy one, but he's got to be two. We'll, we'll get to number one. I'm very confident in the top three now. That, that's interesting, though. I thought I was maybe going to go hot take Sanderson at two, but I, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, Sanderson's been really, really good. It basically just depends how you weigh all-around results versus um, pure offensive upside. Yep. Um, and so a, a big reason I put Sanderson, the, so a big reason I believe Sanderson has to be top two, but the reason I also put him two is because of how close I am to the Ottawa Senators, like watching them. Um, so the reason I believe he has to be top two is he has some of the best metrics for any rookie in the league. And just in terms of like his play driving, and it's not like insanely overwhelming or anything like that, but then you factor in the fact that he's been playing with Travis fucking Hamannick for his entire NHL career up to this point, And he's like, for the longest time, had Hamannick had a 60% expected goals player. Um, that's why I believe he needs to be top two. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to do. That's the kind of thing that Ruth, usually when defensemen play with people like that and put up bad numbers, it's like, well, we can we can completely excuse this because um, because of the partner he's with. And even as a rookie, Sanderson's overcoming it, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I can attest to that the eye test, you know, matches what you're seeing in the numbers for Sanderson, especially because it's like, you know, the, the stupid trope in the NHL is like, oh, well, no, the veterans are to calm him down. Hamnick sucks. Like, he's just not good. He makes way too mis- many mistakes in his own end. He can't really break the puck out of it efficiently. And yet it doesn't matter because Jake Sanderson covers that all up for him. His skating is insane. Uh, his puck movement is really good. And his defensive awareness is solid too. You know, he, he gets moved out. He is the rookie. He makes mistakes. He gets moved off the puck a little easy sometimes, and he'll make, you know, a passing mistake here and there. But, I, like, coming into the year, Ottawa was praying that Sanderson was going to be uh, a number four defenseman, and they would be happy with that. He's exceeded those expectations so far. Yeah, he looks like maybe like a two already with the possibility of being a one by the time, like, this season's over kind of thing, which is crazy. Yeah, exactly. So it's been absolutely amazing to watch him him play um it's been literally like just so much fun and i feel like you know he's um currently at uh tied 13th with uh the other guy actually on this list that'll be here in a second 14 points uh in on the season but like again that's why i feel like he's not going to get the love he deserves but you got to look past points here he has been a crucial part of this team and already beginning to take tough minutes yeah which is crazy and <laughs> he's actually probably their best option to take tough minutes already, which is nuts. Yeah, it's really weird to say, but like, absolutely. Yeah, um, like I love Shabbat, but nobody's like, he's a shutdown defenseman. Yeah, exactly. And like, so the numbers aren't quite as good as they were early in the season, which makes sense, but he's still at 52.5% expected goals and uh, has Hamannick at 50%. Uh, I don't know if I, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. The with and without numbers for these two are just absolutely insane. Here it is. Yes, it is. Um, so this was posted on Twitter from Natural Stat Trek, but uh, with Jake Sanderson and Travis Hamnick on the ice together, 52.45 expected goals percentage. Jake Sanderson without Travis Hamnick is a 57.45 expected goals uh, percentage, and Travis Hamnick without Jake Sanderson is 47%. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, again, it... Uh, Shows you exactly how much he is holding his own pair. But, yeah, absolutely should be top three. I don't know if he will be, but he deserves to be. 
Yeah, I think he will be. He seemed like the kind of defenseman people are gonna really, really like. Yeah, I think it kind of depends how much like love a guy like make uh Mason McTavish gets or like Cole Perfetti gets. Or even like yeah, a Kalen per- Addison type guy. Yeah, especially I never thought about Perfetti. Perfetti could be a one that steals a lot from him. Yeah, so because I, th- I think Beniers will, he's a lock for top three. He's leading in points. That guy's always a lock. The, the point leader is almost always a lock for top three. And then yeah. again, I, I think if we're going to be talking about lock defense for top three, the number one, Owen Power, he yeah. has got to be a lock for top three as well. Um, I want to put Sanderson over Power. Powers, they, they're having very similar seasons. And I think the reason I give the edge is um, Powers a year younger. Which I don't again, maybe in a one, maybe by the definition of a rule, that's not fair, but also projecting, it's just kind of impressive. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Also, Powers got like one calling card skill in that, despite not having like crazy point totals. He's very clearly like a modern offensive defenseman in which he tilts play ridiculously well for the fa- for the Sabres. So when impacts are similar, I'm just gonna my prior is to just lean on the guy who does better offensively, which is kind of what I did here. Yeah, he's been like dominant offensively. He ranks uh, tied for third in uh, rookie goals above replacement for evolving hockey. Again, only Beneers and Quinn are ahead of him, so he's tied for first among all defensemen with, um, ironically enough, Jordan Harris and Pierre Oliver Joseph. Um, two really sheltered guys. I think one of the even calling cards to his own power, from what I understand, isn't super sheltered. Like, Deline is the first pair defenseman. He's been really good this year, too. Um, but it's also Owen Power being there, I think, has allowed Deline to play better as well because it's not all on Rasmus Deline. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, for, for me, I, I want Sanderson one as a bias thing, but no, Power's had an absolutely amazing season. I think it was uh, uh, Dom's player cards, like, they, he posts them and Again, they both look very, very similar in terms of there is a lot of positive on there. And for their age, both teams should be really freaking excited. Yeah, 100%. I saw in the the Jay Fresh uh, player cards he was tweeting out today, they were like functionally within air bars of each other too. So it makes yeah, exactly. sense. Exactly. Right there. Exactly. I, I think you could order them either way, but I think Power is just having just a slightly more impressive season, especially given the, um, you know, I believe he's a year younger. So. Uh, all right, so there's our Calder. We wow, I was not expecting the same top three. I don't think we will for a lot of these awards. That's probably the only one. I you would yeah probably. That there was the most be. obvious one. I thought. I would agree as well. I I think there's yeah no yeah I would agree because most I, obvious I think, top three anyways. Yeah yes one hundred percent. All right, let's go to the Jack Adams. Okay. So I had I think there's a lot of coaches you can make a pretty good argument for uh on this. Uh I had honorable yep. mentions, um John Cooper and um Lindy Ruff. Yeah, those work. Again, both just solid teams. Like I don't know, Tampa has been, you know, maybe not quite as dominant as we remember Tampa being, but their underlying numbers, if I remember correctly, are very solid still, and they're just kind of chugging along on their way to the playoffs again. So um yeah, and, yeah, and like then that. obviously Lindy Ruff. The Devils have taken a bit of a dip recently, but again, their underlying numbers are still insanely strong. I, I feel like it's been more bad luck, and I don't really blame the coach for his goaltender not being able to make a save when you're absolutely dominating possession. Yeah, exactly. I had rough three. Yep, and I think similar tier. Yep, exactly. Like I think 
honestly, like I, even if you want to say like Roth was one, I, I wouldn't have any massive massive pushbacks i think there's a one or two guys ahead of him but uh yeah like he's been an absolutely outstanding job this so far this year yeah he's definitely been in like the the a tier of coaches and i mean i give a lot of the credit just to like jack hughes's to like jack hughes is so good jack hughes was going to be jack hughes kind of thing but like lenny Ruff obviously deserves some credit i would think yeah and like like Jonas Siegenthaler has been absolutely amazing this year. You know, you got to give the coach some credit for putting him in a position to succeed, right? Like exactly. So and like Brat's been amazing. He was amazing in the past too, but like Brat's taken it to another level and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Who did you have any honorable mentions that if you had rough at three? I had Dave Haxtell. That's a pretty that's a good one too. I didn't consider him, and, and I think that is a that's a that's a solid one, especially yeah. given how shit their goaltending still been. A hundred percent. The Kraken look like a legit team, despite, like we said, they don't, I mean, I love Veneers and like McCann's been really good, but it's not like we're looking at them and being like, they need, we need to get these guys to the all-star game right now. Cause they're the best players in the league. So lots of credit to him. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, that's one that I kind of overlooked. Um, I think maybe I partially just overlooked it. Cause when I was looking at, you know, metrics, they're not super impressive. Anything. They're about 11th in the league. They're of like, course, four yeah. and, Average-ish. Yep, 17th in expected goals. But, like, again, that's a massive step up from what they were last year. So, Yeah, despite a pretty similar team. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, that, that's a really good pick. I, I like that a lot. Um, my three was uh, Rod the Bod. Rod Brindamore. I like that. They're running away with their division, so yep. <laughs> it's hard to... Similar, similar vein of, like, Lindy Ruff in terms of, like, his team was probably always going to be solid, but, like, I think he's had a part of that as well. Um and yeah, the Hurricanes, despite the Devils going on that, what was a 17 game point streak or whatever, um, or something crazy like that, the Hurricanes are the ones that are running away at the division now. Uh, they are a full, well, not running away. They're only two points up on the Devils again, but um, they're 25, nine, and seven, and first in the league in expected goals and like second in the league in Corsi four. So they're just doing, or fourth in the league in Corsi four as well. They're, they're doing the classic Carolina thing of it's like, yeah, no, we're dominating. And, we did the, all this without a goal scorer too, and Max Pacioretty, who they're just getting back now. So, yeah, I I was thinking of uh, Rod and Sheldon Keefe in like the exact same tier, and I was like, I don't really know who to pick out of these guys. So, whatever, I'll just pick someone else. They're yep. they're very similar to me so far this year. Yep, which is funny because I have Sheldon Keefe too. So, oh, there you go. <laughs> um, mostly for the injuries, I think on this one, like. Yes. Especially cluster injuries. Yeah. All defensively. Literally, their whole defense core went. Their whole top four. If you pictured their top four at the beginning of the year, even if you think Riley's somewhat overrated, he's still a very good defenseman. Jake Muzzin, uh, TJ Brody, and um, I'm blanking on who their four is. Giordano. Giordano or Paul or whoever, right? Like, they, they lost Muzzin, Riley, and Brody for multiple, like, weeks at a time. And then also lost Sandine and Lilligren at different times. Like they were playing with, if you looked at their defense core at times, they were playing with four guys. I don't think I would expect a casual fan to know. Yeah, and luckily just, they got Norris winner Connor Timmons for free. <laughs> yeah, he's looked <laughs> unreal. And like, and but then just cranking out wins. Like, yeah. so yeah, I mean, like, and ju- like, Justin Holes looked amazing, who people yeah. hate. And the depth has looked solid. Like, it hasn't looked great or anything, but it's done the job. And obviously, you know, like, people are talking about, like, what's wrong with Matthews? The dude's on pace for 40 goals. 
which yeah, tells you and, how good Mike Matthews is and just how good of a season they're having because they're still unreal. Yeah, that's a compliment to Keith because Matthews is on pace for 40 instead of 60. And guess what? All their defensemen are hurt and the team looks the exact same. Yep, they were playing with a third string goalie for a while and just didn't really derail them at all. Like, yeah, it's they're... it's very clear they're a very anti fragile team, at least in the regular season. Yeah, exactly. And this is a regular season award. So, you know, when you're, again, like with all those injuries, they're still like top seven in Corsi four and top four, I want to say, in expected goals. Like, it just, yeah, he, him and Rod, again, I were very similar. So I had them two and three. Yep. Yeah, that works. Both teams have like the same amount of points and everything, too. So, Yep. Uh, who do you have two? At two, I have Don Granado. That's another really solid one. Again, not, not one I maybe maybe didn't put enough stock into, but that, that's another really good pick. Yeah, if you wanted like the Keefe over Don Granado, is probably a pretty easy argument to make. But like the big story this year is everyone being like, we actually can't call players bad until they're like 37 years old because of Tage Thompson. Um which is kind of a dumb lesson to take from Tage Thompson. But like the, the story is like Tage Thompson's character development or uh, player development. Well, I'm inclined to think the head coach of the team probably has a lot to do with that. Right. Plus like the team in general outside of Tage is just playing really well, despite the fact they're still clearly rebuilding. So I'm inclined to give the coach a lot of credit there. Yeah. 100, uh, 100%, especially because like, um, I've seen a bunch of stuff on Twitter from, I want to say it's, uh, is it NT writer? Like Kevin, I believe his name is. Yeah. Um, who's the Buffalo guy. And like, he's had a bunch of threads over the past couple of months. I can't pull any of them up now just because they've been months ago, but of like, like actual things and usage ways that Granado used him differently than the previous coaches, which is like, I don't know. When, when it was in the summer, I was kind of reading it and I was like, this kind of feels like a, like, sure, it, may, it, it makes a difference, but he was using it to defend Tate Chomps as, like, a 45-goal scorer, and I was like, this kind of feels like hindsight bias, and then he's done yeah. it again this year, so it's like, well, maybe I am inclined to, like, <laughs> listen to that a lot more. Yeah, I guess some worked, clearly. And, like, even, like, Deline, you know, he had the great rookie season drop for a couple of years, and, you know, he looks like he's, you know, having a really, really strong year again this year, so, like, I think you got to give him some credit there as well, like, um, yep. You know, we, we already mentioned Jack Quinn looks really good. Like they're actually just starting to develop prospects, which has been Buffalo's massive issue for how many years now? So hats off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tons of credit to him. Yeah, uh, no, that's a good pick. Uh, I think number one is a pretty big block, <laughs> right? Like it's the this team is that a... still hasn't lost at home. This is in a league with Connor McDavid and the Hart Trophy being a trophy. Still the biggest lock in the entire awards race. Yeah, like I didn't think there was going to be a bigger lock than last year with um, Sutter and this what is. Calgary did, but this has to be. It's Jim Montgomery, if anyone doesn't know, with the Boston Bruins. They, we're recording this on January 11th. They still have not lost at home. And I don't mean in 2023. I mean the entire 2022-23 season. Uh, in regulation, I should say. They're, they have three overtime losses. But... Yeah, they haven't even hit double-digit real losses yet. Not Bettman losses. They only have four Bettman losses. They have eight total, including overtime losses. Pretty much every team in the league has 10, other than the Leafs and Hurricanes, when you're not counting overtime losses. Like, they're just running away with the league, despite the fact that we were, everyone thought they were the fourth-best team in their division coming in healthy, and they weren't healthy. 
Yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. I don't get it. I I hate the Bruins. It's like like they're we're literally at the halfway. Like I can't stress that enough. We're at the halfway point, and they are on pace. Like for what? One hundred and forty points. <laughs> one hundred and forty <laughs> points. That's so stupid. <laughs> like it's just it's absolutely and it's like and like the most impressive part about this is now that they're chugging. I feel like it's almost. We're misremembering how impressive it was to start the year because they were without McAvoy, Marshan, Bergeron was a question about healthy right away. They were just getting um, um, Krejci back, and we're like, "Well, is he even going to be good after a year in the Czech League or whatever?" Like, it was not a guarantee that this team was just absolutely elite, and they've just done that. They've just been elite. Yeah, absolutely. Not like, not even missing the. Uh, the slightest bit of beat. Hampus Lindholm is Charlie McAvoy, apparently. Yeah, like they just have a, a position and a player at every position that you can be like, yeah, they've been top three this year. Yep. Like Taylor Hall's been silently very, very good this year. Yeah, Hall's been fantastic. His underlying numbers are amazing. Um, you, you just can't go wrong with literally anyone on this team this year. Yeah, it, it's just been. Absolutely insane. So, yeah, absolutely slam dunk. Like, how big of a derailment would this team have to take for him not to win at this point? They would probably need, like, a eight-game losing streak or something ridiculous like that to happen. Like, the Leafs would have to make the 11 points that they have on them right now, right? Like, Yeah, which is pretty much impossible. Yeah, like, I, I, bet, I, don't, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I bet you Boston's already, like, 90% to win the division. Oh, I would think so. I saw the Leafs, the Leafs and Lightning. I think Mike had them at sixty percent to play each other, which the more likely thing is that Tampa falls out of three. So there you go. Yeah, like it. Just nutty. That's so stupid. I don't get it. No, me, me either at all. But um, yeah. All right. Let's go to probably my least favorite one to talk about, if I'm being completely honest. That's the Selkie Trophy. And it's mostly okay. just because I'll fully admit, this is one where, like, every other trophy here we've talked about, like the Jack Adams, you can kind of talk about how teams are playing. And and again, like we just talked about with, like, Buffalo, like actual things that make Tate Thompson different and whatnot. I'm going to fully admit, I don't know what good defense looks like. And I say this every year. You can't eye test good defense. Anyone trying to tell you that, is lying. Yeah, it's hard to see the absence of things. Exactly. So this Especially is because, one... like you need counterfactuals too. <laughs> like what would an average player look like in said situation? Which is really... so hard to impossible to picture, right? Like or close yeah. to it. Yeah, unless it's like really obvious. And even that, like, I don't know. You see articles about like Austin Matthews shot. You don't see the same thing about what Patrice Bergeron does that makes him better than everyone else at defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, obviously, there are things out there that he does, but, like, it's it's far less obvious. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, this is an award where I will not lie. I highly rate, you know, uh, sites like Evolving Hockey and their goals above replacement metric, um, especially defensively. And then I try and match that up with 
you know, a site like hockeyviz.com and what their heat maps say about uh, isolated. And, you know, so that's why try and look and see if one player says, like, for example, the second rated uh, defensive goals above replacement players, Nick Dowd in the league. I'm not giving Nick Dowd the, the sale key. A um, couple things that factor in for me, you need to be playing top lines. Like you need to be one of your team's highest used players. Um, and then the other thing for me was, um, you know, like you, you need to be good defensively in, in multiple different metrics. So, um, yeah, 100%. Because like, even if we admit that our, our metrics are the least stable for defensive, like you can't, we have full-time jobs other than hockey. We just, you're just never going to have the time to eye test uh, defense for everyone else. You have to rely on this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, oddly enough, my first honorable mention just got slid down to the fourth line on this team, so I don't even know if this really applies, but it was Jesperi Kakaniemi. He has very good numbers this year. Yeah, he can't do crap offensively. Uh, his isolated offensive impact has been bad, but uh, defensively, his uh, isolated impact has been very strong from Hockey Biz, minus 10 in his own end, minus 10% in his own end for expected goals against per 60. Um, big blue area all around the net, um, and, you know, as a center – probably inclined to believe he does impact that at least a little bit. Um, yeah, it is, uh, I think he ranks 11th among all forwards in defensive goals above replacement so far for evolving hockey as well. So he's been really strong in that. Um, and then up there in even strength, pure even strength defense as well. Uh, he's sixth among all forwards. So um, yeah, just, he was one of my honorable mention. Another one was Sam Reinhardt. Um, again, just, Strong defensively. I think his overall defense is better than pure even strength. Yeah, he's 10th among all forwards. And again, just hockey vis has him really solid as well. I haven't particularly watched either of these guys a ton to know if they have been like to like watch it or anything, but their numbers are all very strong. So, yeah, and that makes sense. This is the only award I would ever think of to use priors to. And both of these guys we've seen be good defensively in the past, which is nice too. Yep, exactly. Uh, do you have any honorable mentions? Um, there were probably better picks. I picked Matty Veneers. Yep, that's another good one. He was up there in a bunch of the metrics too, so I, I kind of looked at that as well. But yeah, in like an honest ranking, I don't really think he'd be four, but he's been really good defensively, and he barely takes penalties. So I thought that was a that was a more fun four than some of the other guys. Yep, that's very fair. Um, for me, there was a pretty easy three, or well, easy top two, and then an easy third as well. Um, I'm curious to see if you have the same guy in third. I would back one. Okay, so we we were gonna disagree on this one for once. I Backlund would would be high up there, but I I did not have Backlund. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, he's just again another guy who ranks right around there. I think he's twelfth in even strength or in total uh, defensive goals above replacement and fourth in even strength uh, defense uh, goals above replacement for evolving hockey. Uh, his um, uh, priors are really strong um, and. Like he's been a good defensive player before, and his uh, uh, isolated numbers are really strong as well. So, um, that's he's basically, why. he's been Walmart Bergeron for like eight years now. Yeah, and the, exactly. And the other thing is, so maybe I should have put a little more look into this. Do you know Backlund plays primarily with Huberdo? I don't know who Backlund plays with, to be honest. Because that's another thing that I probably should have looked up. But like, if Huberdo something because he's been like quietly really good defensively as well, even if he struggled a ton offensively, if he becomes super good defensively, like 
I'm still more willing to give that to the guy who's been good defensively, helping him out more than anything else too, right? One of the best two-way forward centers of the past like 10 years probably didn't just magically become good at this thing he sucked at as much as Backlund's carrying. Yeah, exactly. Um, and honestly, the lines right now, he's playing with uh, Mangia Payne and Blake Coleman, so maybe that theory doesn't hold up quite as much. But um, yeah, just in general, he, he's had good defensive numbers again this year, and it's been uh, a strong... You know, he has a history of it as well. So I feel pretty confident that those are legit. A hundred percent. Who do you have through them? Okay. (laughs) You're going to love this. I actually think this is a good general talking point as well. I did. I did some real in-depth research last night at soccer. uh, We have a friend, Nate, uh, for the listeners, who's a Caps fan and watches pretty much every Capitals game. And I leverage, most people leverage NHL insiders for the podcast. I leveraged my friend from, uh, that I've known since I was a kid who watches Caps games. Nick Dowd, despite not playing a ton of raw minutes, and I think people mix this up. Nick Dowd plays apparently shut down minutes on the Washington Capitals. And if you check the, his evolving hockey numbers, he has some of the highest quality of competition on the Washington Capitals, which makes sense because you're not using Obi to shut people down. You're probably going to use Nick Dowd. At which point, I think, and he's been good on the penalty kill. At which point, despite being a no-name player, you have all the boxes covered that people say you need to do to be on the Selkie trophy ballot. So I put Nick Dowd three. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it's not a bad argument. I I don't know. I guess if he's playing just shut down minutes, that's fair enough. I was under the impression. I figured it was more when he has 500 minutes of total ice time compared to like 900 that most people are playing. I was under the impression that it's probably not a ton at five on five. But, um, you know, maybe I need to look into that a little more. Because, yeah, his numbers are like insanely strong in terms of like actual defensive results, which I would have never guessed. Yeah, me neither. They're, they have been decent in the past, but yeah, I think just think it's a misnomer. Like a lot of the time, people just assume the team's best player plays the best quality of competition, which is very heuristic, uh, but it's not as true as you'd think. No, definitely not. Especially because like it makes sense that you know, your team's quote unquote best player is offensive. Why would you want your offensive player wasting all his time against the other team's best player? Because you know you're not going to win that matchup every time. Exactly. Where if, so like, if you can guarantee that Ovechkin is going to win a matchup against the third line 90% of the time, you're much more likely to take that. Mm-hmm. And also, Nick Dowd plays more time on ice per game than at 5-on-5 five five than Ovechkin. And again, like it would make sense. Half your games are at home. As a coach, your job at home games is to avoid OV playing against good hockey players because he's going to do his best against third and fourth lines, right? If you're going to be doing that with a guy who's playing 15 minutes of even strength minutes tonight, somebody has to play the good players, thus enter Nick Dowd. Where are you getting those five-on-five numbers? Because I'm getting OV plays 14 minutes per game at five-on-five, Dowd plays 10.38. I'm on – oh, I'm on even strength, sorry. So that Uh, might sway things. Yeah, it's because I say that that might make more sense. That's actually surprising which straight it that much, but like you wouldn't think four and four is that – Common. Yeah, switch. I still get Novechkin at fifteen at even strength, and Dowd is closer about fourteen. Now that's a, that's cheating a little bit. He's fourteenth among all forwards, but Backstrom's played one game and averaged eleven eighteen. Same with Tom Wilson at twelve fifty seven. 
But this could be a sight difference thing. Uh, evolving hockey has doubt ahead of them at five on five too. So maybe somebody's hmm. got a code error. Yeah, I say because I natural stat trick has uh, Ovechkin like four minutes ahead of doubt, which <laughs> feels right in my head. But <laughs> that sounds right. Although Ovi does play full two minute power plays, so that'll mess with the ice time. Yeah, Although I, I just have five on five purely. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I don't know. So, That's weird. But, um. Yeah, I don't know. Because, yeah, going by this, like, I, I don't think Dowd would – like, he's playing 10 minutes a night at 5-on-5. Five five. To me, that wouldn't qualify him. But if it is closer to, like, the 13-minute mark you're looking at, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, the Twins have him at basically 14 minutes a night. Yeah. Uh, so fifth on the team. For anyone wondering how much – like, why – like, like I'm assuming, for most people, I, I can understand why 4 versus 10 doesn't seem like that much. 14 versus 10 at five on five in a night is like basically getting an extra shift every other shift, every period. Yeah, so yeah that adds up is, pretty quick. Yeah, so I don't know. That, that's an interesting to look at because, yeah, if if Dowd is playing as much as, you know, what you're seeing, then I think it's fair. But, you know, if it's one of the things where he has strong defensive numbers but is playing in more of a fourth-line role, I probably wouldn't. I'd be more hesitant to nominate him, that's for sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um. I feel like we talk about this most of the years, but the other thing you brought up is good on the penalty kill. How much do you rate penalty kill when looking at selfie um, stuff? Um, I used it as a tiebreaker on my one versus two because they had very similar even strength impacts. I was just like, ah, the model says this guy's better on the penalty kill. This year I'll just give him, use it as a tiebreaker, basically. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to use it. I don't think you need to play – like. The big thing, you remember when like Matthews was getting the selfie push last year or whatever, and like yeah. everyone draws, oh, he doesn't even pe- kill penalties. Like, yeah, because you don't want him blocking a shot. No, and like exactly. It's not because he can't do it. Exactly. And like also on the penalty kill, to me, penalty kill is so much different than five on five defending. Yeah. And it's because, you know, obviously when you're a man down, you need to use your speed to create problems and make people force the puck, or they're naturally going to be able to pass it around you. At five on five, when you have equal amount of bodies, it's a lot harder to just get absolutely caved in in terms of unless you're just unless it's a hashtag skill issue. Um but like it's it's you know harder to just get caved in because you have an equal amount of people. On five on four, if you're just laying back, they're gonna be able to rip the pass from wherever they want. So you need to use speed. And you know, Matthews isn't slow, but he's not the fastest guy, which is why like a guy like Marta who can use his speed. Exactly, to push the puck up the ice and be a threat the other way is so dangerous. Whereas, like, Matthews is the better defensive player, but Marner would be the better option for a penalty kick. This niche thing, yeah, exactly. And also, if we we tend to think about things in terms of above replacement because, like, opportunity costs exist, but it's been shown a couple different times that replacement-level players tend to be pretty good on the penalty kill making it inherently less valuable if AHL players are just actually pretty good at it, whereas at five on five, they suck at everything. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't have much more to say on that. Just from the, I feel like it's it's always important to bring up when we're talking about defense, and especially South, because, yeah, the, the penalty kill thing gets brought up every single year. And it's like every single chance, like, man, we really need to go through this again. But Well, and also, like, who's good at killing penalties within a given season is pretty much impossible to measure due to the small sample size. Like, I'd rather just be like, this guy doesn't take penalties because we know players are responsible for that, so don't put your team on the penalty kill. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, and then when you're on the penalty kill, it's like, well, use guys that are going to be a threat to not only 
force the puck out of the zone, but can use that speed to go make a chance the other way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, one and two. I don't really care what order you put this in. I have Stone one, Bergeron two, and simply because Bergeron got his legacy, quote unquote, Selkie last. He, he deserved it last year, but he got his last year. I don't really care. Give Stone his then. Yeah, I have five Stone one, and again, I use the the penalty stuff as a tiebreaker because they're they're very similar to each other. Neither take Maybe. penalties. Both are amazing defensive players. Um, picking between the two. <laughs> It's probably just personal preference. Yep, dead even value on even strength defense, according to um, Evolving Hockey, which yeah. seems about right. Um, yeah, again, like I really, they're, they're both insane. Clearly the best two defensive in the league. Like you need to have these two, one, two in some order, or you're doing your battle wrong. Yeah. Um, but I, like, it's it's silly because, again, it's, sometimes you get to the awards, and like, I'm sure we're going to get to this one in our player. But it's like there's you've talked about them so much, and like I, I was I know what it feels because so no one ever talked about the Ottawa Senators in rankings and stuff, right? <laughs> Just because like for the past little while there's been nothing to talk about. But even like when they were okay, the only thing to talk about was Eric Carlson. But he was so good that the analysis of Eric Carlson is well, he's so good. What do you want us to talk about? And that is where I'm at with Patrice Bergeron and even Mark Stone at this point defensively, where it's like, yeah, they're just clearly better than everyone else. Um, Bergeron, the fact that he's doing this at like age 39 or whatever is absolutely insane. Um, but they are just miles better than anyone else defensively. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's everything to say about them has been said. Yeah, literally. So, it, like, there's... Yeah, and I apologize for, you know, I mean, I don't feel bad for Bruins fans. They're going to hear their team talked about enough during these awards. But um, for, yeah, Golden Knights fans, it's like, yeah, like Mark Stone is still probably one of the more underappreciated players in the entire league. Like, I, I feel like the playoff run a couple of years ago, he was starting to get his dues. And then last year, he was just kind of hurt and didn't really, like, lost a lot of the momentum I thought he had gained a couple of years ago. And, and this year, I, I really hope that Vegas can go on another playoff run uh, this year because he's really showing that he is still the real deal. Yeah, he's legit. He's arguably the best winger in the league still. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, right right up there, top three for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we get on to our fourth award, and let's see, if, do you have anything more with the Salki here, Chase? No, I don't think so. It's, <laughs> it's top two is quite the slam dunk, so yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, all right, before we move on to our fourth award, then I would like to uh, thank Betstamp for stop, uh, sponsoring this podcast. Uh, if you haven't heard of Betstamp, they are a app that you can download and it lets you easily compare uh, lines on different sports books. The best way to make money while sports gambling is to actually have money in different sports books. Uh, Betstamp easily allows you to compare lines across different games and whatever bets you want to use, helping you get the best price on the bet on each sports book. Um, there's also free commission-free marketing places so you can track uh, pros in the industry, see what they're betting and see what their return on investment throughout the year is as well. So you can actually hold people accountable to see, you know, if they're doing well or not and whether their bets make sense. Uh, they have verified bet tracking. So if you do make a bet on a sports book, you can easily go into their app, place what bet you made and how much you put down and it'll track it for yourself as well, uh, which is a really nice feature. Um, again, if you're wondering, you know, just how much of an impact uh, uh, this can make, it is quite drastic. So 
for the Seattle Boston. That feels like two good teams. We've already talked about a bunch this year. They play tomorrow night. Uh, Boston is on some books such as bet MGM minus two fifty, uh, and even minus two fifty six on a different book. Uh, if you have uh, money open with North Star, they are minus two twenty two. Um, so that is you know quite the big gap in terms of how much money you will make one place again. Same with Seattle. Some books have them as low as uh, plus one eighty. Uh, you can get them at plus two hundred five uh, using Bet Now. So again, just quite the spread in terms of. Um, how much value there is there, and that's what BetStamp allows you to easily do. Uh, if you're going to download the BetStamp app, use please use the code MNM Hockey. Uh, it would mean a lot to us, and thank you to BetStamp for sponsoring this podcast. All right, um, do we want to go to our middle middle award? This feels like a good one for the new one that we put in. Most improved, Chase. Yeah, I'm into that. All right, uh, this is the one I didn't really have an honorable mention because I was just kind of going, um, just you know, as we were. Um, like, I was just kind of making it up as we go. Obviously, I said, ah, that'd be an interesting one. Just added a seventh award in there. Um, so I'll just start with my three. Uh, and the most improved I have at three is actually Rupe Hints. That's a good one. So Hints, you know, I mean, he was getting benched last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's currently 11th among all players in Evolving Hockey's goals above replacement. Um you know, he plays with some very good players, of course, but he's also got 44 points in 40 games. Um, he had 72 and 80 last year, 43 and 41. So he's always been right around that point per game mark, but he looks like he's ready to like well blow over it. And um, yeah, he's kind of gone from that guy where it's like feels like a nice secondary piece to no, he's a, a key piece to a team that is looking to make win some playoff rounds. Yeah, 100%. Like Dallas doesn't, they have some very very high end talent and i think it's time we recognize rupe hints as that yep absolutely um all right who did you have at three at three this is uh this is maybe a little bit soft since he's been obviously fantastic in the past by william elander it feels like willie's finally put together that year that he's everyone's he's obviously been capable of his entire time in the league yeah that's a good pick as well um He's been, you know, he's on pace, I think, for what, 48 goals or something like that? 46 goals this year? Like, Yeah, leading um, the team in points up until a couple of weeks or days ago. Yeah, and it's like, it's one of the things, too, so it's like, it's I don't listen to much mainstream media when it comes to Ottawa, but I do listen to Toronto, just like, we're from the Kitchener-Waterloo area, obviously, but I also, like, love listening to Overdrive. I find their non-hockey stuff absolutely hilarious, so I listen to their hockey stuff just naturally as well. And this is like the first year I can remember that it's been just all praises about Nylander too. Like, yeah, he's shut everyone up. Yeah, and bravely, like, what, what are you complaining about? Twenty-two goals, twenty-three assists for forty-five points in forty-one games. Yeah, he's he's William fucking Nylander. Like, he's yeah. just clearly amazing. And even like nights where it's like the team doesn't really look like it, he's just on the like they lose three-two, and he's got like a goal and assist in there. It's just like, oh yeah, no, Nylander looked good. Well, that's the thing, because like the numbers have been there for forever, but he just he looks better this year. In my like he just looks amazing. Yeah, like it's weird to say considering Marner just set the franchise record for point streak, but you could make an argument he's still been one of like their most consistent player. He looks like he's maybe been their best player this year. Yeah, which I, again sounds crazy to say. If you want to say it's Marner, I'm not going to be like super upset or whatever, or, like not pissed or anything like that, but. You know, Marner, people forget, like, before that point streak, there was, like, a 15-game stretch where Marner was struggling for his standards. And yeah, Marner's... 
he's obviously been fantastic, but Marner's benefited from the fact that his points came happened to come sequentially instead of grouped. Exactly. And like, and even there was a couple times in that point streak where it was like he had a secondary assist or whatever. On an empty netter, the one yeah. was. And like, and that's gonna happen. That's fine. Like, I'm not taking anything away because there was also a bunch where he had a primary assist where he dangled everyone four minutes into the game and opened up the scoring or whatever. But um, yeah, it just when it comes to Nylander, yeah, I think that's a that's a very fair pick. It's he has been a guy who's taking his game to the next level. And again, I, I really hope that, you know, we can see that. You know, I feel like the play, the he's bad in the playoffs is a narrative with him too. And he's like point per game in the playoffs. A little under yeah, that, which, but past couple of years, point per game. He's been the least best playoff player. For the past three oh. years, yeah. Two yeah, years. Hold, like, hold maybe Morgan Riley, but it's probably been Nylander by a decent amount, to be honest. Yeah. So, no, that's a very good pick. Um, my second pick, a guy who I'm kind of doing because his underlying numbers are showing it again, but he's getting a lot more love because of his insane points this year. Uh, Joshua Morrissey. That's a good pick. I, a, I debated him. This is a dude who looked like he was absolutely cooked when like Bufflin and all of them left a couple years for a couple years. Uh, last year he was actually pretty good too. Um, like he had a minus 5.3% expected goals against uh, isolated impact plus 3.7% offensively. This year's at plus 5% offensively and uh, minus 1% defensively. Uh, so his defensive numbers haven't been like super, super strong, but he's starting to look like the top pair defenseman that they're paying him to be. And it looked like, like for a number of re- uh, years, for good reason, he was like top two on Dom's worst contract list. Yeah, it looked absolutely awful really quickly. And yeah, like he is... Turner, he's fifth in goals above replacement in the league this year, according to uh, um, Evolving Hockey. Um, like Jack Hughes, Mark Stone, Matthew Kachuk, those are the type of names ahead of him. Pedersen, Pavelski, Carlson, right around them. Like, it's just, that, that's the type of season he's having. Yeah. Yeah, it's been amazing. You can make Norris uh, buzz for him. Yep, absolutely. Uh, who did you have it to? And two, I had my boy nicked out. <laughs> I don't know where crushing it. He's found his niche, and uh, he's doing good. Good for him. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, even even if he was a third or fourth line player, if you're crushing it in that defensive minutes, I mean, considering Dowd was like barely an NHL player for a number of years, like that's solid. Yeah, I think people would think of him as like the quintessential replacement level player. So even if you want to say um, shouldn't get like Selkie Love because of his role or whatever. Um, it's still in terms of improvement. Like he's massacring exactly what the coach is asking him to do. So that's, yep, that's awesome. Yep. Um, all right. Number one, the reason I made this award and actually texted you about it, and I told you because of this, um, Philip Ronick is who I have at like number one. Elite, apparently. He is I had I have not heard anyone mention his name this year. He is fourth in goals above replacement so far this year. Uh, he's un- like every underlying number he has is unreal. Uh, I was looking at like Dom's player cards. Dom's player card has him evaluated at $9.7 million um, value right now. And I think he makes what five. So there's like a 4.8 value uh, increase there. Um, and again, this has been a guy who for a number of years has been fine ish to not like he had a great rookie season. And then since then, hasn't even really been particularly good and then now looks like he could be elite this year yeah out of nowhere too and it's not like like sometimes when defensemen do this out of nowhere it's just an on ice shooting bender where you can easily be like 
they're really high in goals above replacement, but they're not actually that good because pucks just going in a lot for them. It doesn't look like one of those. No, exactly. Like, and and that's the thing is like I don't want this award to just be yeah, who's got the best PDO or whatever in the league. Um, but that's not what this is uh, at all, in my opinion. And again, I don't know. I'm not saying Lonick's going to be this number one stud defenseman for years on end now. But yeah, all of his RAPM is very solid, and that is a massive step up from what I thought he was going to be. Yeah, even just being like a five is a step up from what he looked like at times. Never mind a one. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, did you have Ronick one or did you choose someone else? I chose someone else because some dickhead with an Eric Carlson avatar on Twitter stole that one. <laughs> <laughs> I went with Eric Gustafson, another Washington player. Yeah, that's a that's another good one. He's uh yeah, just quietly been fantastic in Washington. One of my early uh early player evaluation models. The two players it had is like really, really undervalued were Eric Gustafson and uh, Michael Kempney, and they've both succeeded in Washington for whatever reason. So uh, I've always always kept an eye out for him. It's cool to see him do well. Yeah, he's always been a player, too, where I never understood why teams didn't like him a little more. Yeah, because usually when teams don't like players, it's because they don't put up points, but their underlying numbers are great. He's been like a point monster in the past. Yeah, like I remember when he was in Chicago thinking like, this is a guy that like, people should love like what what's wrong i don't understand yeah and he just like i remember yeah because like so he broke out in chicago of course and then when he had the so he had the 60 point year in 79 games but then the following year when he was only at 26 points in 59 games he got flipped to calgary and i want to say it was for like a third or a fourth round pick at the deadline i was like that's like one of the steals of the deadline yeah it's amazing it's just i don't know just Man, he's floated around since then. Philly, Montreal, Chicago, and then it's good to see him find a, a bit of a role in Washington. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to see. Clearly, got it in him to be a good player. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's not a great pick. That's just those are the exact type of guys that I think you know that I want to just kind of make this not even award for, but just kind of shine some light on you know players that are having better years than we would have ever thought. Um, and and honestly, like I again, like that's another Augustine's name where. Before this, I probably wouldn't have thought much of him. If you would have told me, I would be like, yeah, he probably like their sixth or seventh defenseman or whatever in Washington. So, no, he's actually playing very, very well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to keep track of the entire league. So, these these awards are cool for stuff like that. Yep, exactly. All right, we got the big three left. Hart, Norris, Vesna. Um, let's go Vesna first. That's what I was thinking, too. All right. Honorable mentions. I have three. I, I think there's been, you know, a bunch of real good goalies. Uh, Ottinger threw in as an honorable mention. Uh, Vasilevsky. And then my last honorable mention, who I think I have a good feeling will probably be a slam dunk top three at the end of the year, but he started cold and has really, really heated up as UC Soros. Yeah, I have Soros on my list. Ottinger is an honorable mention as well. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, those work. Um, Vasilevsky, this is a year where it's like, I think Tampa's relying on him a little more as well. And like, he's been very, very good, unsurprisingly. It's funny because like, Whenever Tampa puts up mediocre numbers in the regular season, everybody's like, wow, they just don't care. Uh, they're saving it for the playoffs, and it's actually smart. Uh, by doing that, you're putting a lot more on Vasilevsky, who's your most important player come playoff time. So I've always questioned that logic, and if it's actually being used, and even if it is, is it actually smart? Yeah, I 
I don't know, because I think there is probably, I, I think it goes to Vasilevsky as well, where there's definitely nights where even if he's playing, it's clear he's probably not like stretching out for every single save or whatever. And that's why his numbers probably don't look quite as good. Because like, the, I don't know, I, I would say it's probably the, um, I don't know, what, what's the word I'm looking at? The hipster take, I think, maybe in analytics, is to try and say Vasilevsky is very overrated. Or at least overrated because his regular season numbers never look as strong as you would think they would for a guy who's just considered the best goalie right now. You know, like, um, you know, obviously there's an argument to be made with, you know, guys like Hellebuck or whatever. But like you ask any casual fan, any analyst, like Vasilevsky is number one on basically every list. Right. And his numbers never really look like that in the regular season. But I think part of it is because he is also part of that Tampa team where it's like, if on a different given night where Tampa's just absolutely steamrolling Buffalo or whatever, Vasilevsky might be in there and he might give up four goals on um, maybe Buffalo's a bad. The Buffalo's actually good this year. That, that was mean. Let's go with Montreal. I mean, for most of Vasilevsky. Yes, yes, for most of that Vasilevsky's career. Yeah, one of the bad Atlantic teams. We'll go with that. Vasilevsky might be letting up three goals on 24 shots or whatever, so it doesn't look great, but he knows the team's going to score four and just get them out of there. And again, I don't know if that's actually true or not. That's kind of what I feel like happens from time to time. And I also feel like that maybe gets overstated how often it happens because it's not like Tampa's going out there and just not putting in effort 52 games a year and it's things stupid like that. It's like the odd three and four nights, the odd Sunday game at 2 p.m. or whatever, maybe then, but I bet you it's under 10 games that like the full effort doesn't get put in. Oh, 100%. I think it's kind of a lack of respect for how good even bad NHL players are. Like, if you're a really good player giving it 90% effort, you will probably look stupid against an average player. Yeah, well, I mean, just like, look at the All-Star game and how much slower of a pace that is when everyone is so clearly hungover. It looks horrific. Like, imagine dropping the 20th best rookie of any class into the All-Star game fresh and tell him... If you score five goals in this game, you get $10 million. <laughs> yeah, you put Joel Armia's career on the line and send him out there. He's going to look like a god. Yeah, exactly, right? So, like, yeah, I definitely think it is. that. That's a very good point. Um, but, yeah, Vassal, he's been solid this year, like, just right up there in every goalie stat. Uh, and then, yeah, I think it's fine to have Saros in the top three. Again, I think he will be there for me at the end of the year, too. Currently, right? fourth in goal saved above average and second in goal saved above expected. And that, uh, like, he was down, like, 15 at the beginning of the year. He has been absolutely unreal over the past, like, month or two. Yeah, he's been skyrocketing. Turns out uh, he is who we thought he was. Yep, exactly. Um, all right, who did you have as an honorable mention? Honorable mention, I just had on Jura, and I you'd probably include Allmark. Allmark's like one of the big exceptions I didn't just sort by goals saved above expected for because we've seen the Bruins make uh, life on so many goalies so easily. I'm tempted to absorb some of that impact to the skaters. That's fair. I had Allmark three just because of how much more he's playing than I would have thought he like, And especially because of how much different his numbers are than Jeremy Swayman, who I thought was equal, if not better than him as a goalie, to be completely honest. Yeah, it looked like Swayman was probably a better bet to be their starter this year. I made it in fantasy in multiple leagues and regret, regretted it right away. So, uh, but yeah, like Swayman played 16 games and he's been hurt for part of it as well, but like has 0.38 goal saved above uh, average and a 1.77 goal saved above expected. 
Olmark is sitting at 24.35 and 19.35 for both of those. Uh, and he's played 10 more games. So yeah, like definitely, definitely some team impact in there. And again, that's why I think, you know, keep going and Saros is probably going to pull ahead of him for me and get on that ballot as well. But uh, I have Olmark three Saros four, right? Just by a hair right now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, did you have Saros three or did you have mine on that? I had uh, Saros two. Interesting. Okay, so who did you have three then? Uh, Connor Hellebuck. Ooh, see, I have him one. Ooh, interesting. Uh, all right, you you give uh, you go first. You go first. Please. Yeah, I, I rose him up a couple spots and just the basic goals saved above expected. Um, basically, I just don't trust the Jets defensively as much as some other teams, so I bumped them up a bit. There's a lot more of an art than a science. It's just like, I don't know, ride them up a couple spots. Goalie evaluation is even harder than uh, skater defense. So not a ton of logic there, just a basic intuition. Yep, that's definitely fair. Um, yeah, I leaned even harder into the Winnipeg thing than you. Uh, I don't really trust them at all still. Maybe I should give them a little more trust now that Paul Maurice isn't their coach. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're particularly an elite defensive team by any Stretch the imagination and um, it's even like, a... go ahead. Sorry, I was, uh, I was just say, even like Morrissey, who's revived this his career this year, uh, still doesn't look great defensively. No, exactly. Like he's been fine, and that's been just a massive upgrade. But yeah, like they're 19th in expected goals against per 60 uh, right now. Um, and they're, I think they're a little high, like 12th in Corsi goal, uh, no, 15th in Corsi goal, uh, Corsi against per 60. Sorry, I can't speak. Um, so yeah, like they're just like a, fine slightly below average defensive team um and uh i think you could i i have sorokin as two um and i think you could flip either one of them and i wouldn't be that mad because the same thing kind of applies to sorokin the islanders suck defensively as well so yeah i had sorokin one he's just running away with the goalie metrics so i was like yeah this will work he's been just insanely good this year eh? like yeah yeah and the islanders lack clearly lack talent except for Sorokin. So there you go. Yeah. Honestly, look at this. I should probably have Sorokin. I think if I'm being completely honest, I think Hellebuck had a bad, yeah, he let up seven goals, if I'm not mistaken, last night. And I think that dropped him from like three in some of these when I was doing this on Sunday to uh, five on uh, Wednesday, January 11th, to show you how close the top five is in some of these metrics, by the way. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I, just because looking at now, I think I'd probably have Sorokin one as well. Um, and then honest to honest MVP voting to the letter probably has Sorokin and Hellebuck one and two by a decent chunk. Yeah. You, you like Sorokin is uh, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not quite that. You see, he's not like super far off. If he could take one more step, which is insane to say, but like if he keeps this pace up all year and maybe steps up by a little bit, he's probably got to be getting into the Shesterkin area of like, he's just willing this team to playoffs. He's not that far off. And even, yeah, like when I was just saying MVP stuff, you could be like, well, they're not that good. Uh, yeah. Hold the team success against them. Well, guess who's running away with MVP voting and his team is doing worse? Uh, Connor McDavid, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is, again, like that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to use it for a skater, why don't you use it for a goalie? But the argument is you're probably always going to use it for a goalie, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's fair. So you had Sorokin 1, uh, Saros 2, Hellebuck 3. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to touch on with any of those three guys? 
Yeah, not really. They're all, like you said, they're all pretty close. They're all playing absolutely amazing. I'd be pretty surprised if those aren't the three that end the year, to be honest. Maybe Vasilevsky or someone can make a push or like an Ottinger, but just given how mediocre all three of those rosters, mediocre to bad, frankly, for some of them, those rosters are, and the fact that they all look like they're going to be right around the playoff mark, I think it's fair to say those should be the three to finish the year. Yeah, just the ultimate compliment to those guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right, Norris Trophy. Another exciting one. We've been a bunch of um, interesting candidates this year. I think you could go anywhere, especially for a half-season Norris Trophy like this. I think there's a lot of places you could take it. Um, and have a good argument for it, completely, to be completely honest. Um, this year's more fun than just lol, Kel McCarr is better than everyone else. Yeah, I didn't even have him on my ballot right now. Uh, I think you make the argument for it. He was close, but he's not on my ballot. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, um, so I have a couple familiar names to start my honorable mention. Uh, well, maybe not the one. Dougie Hamilton is my first honorable mention or last honorable mention, depending on how you want to look at it. Adam Sixth. Um, Cooled off a little bit with the rest of New Jersey, but he's been just unreal this year as well. Um, you know, big reason that you know, he, like he's leading their decor. Big reason that obviously, uh, you know, I said Siegenthaler is leading them in Gar, but uh, it's Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, Dougie Hamilton's fantastic. He deserves to be at the or near the top of these lists. Yeah, uh, another name I had because again, like he's just been quietly really good despite winning a Norris a couple years ago, and that's Adam Fox. Oh, okay. So we have pretty big discrepancy. I have Fox one. Ooh, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think that's like I have him a little outside the top three, but I don't think it's that far off. Like he's seventh in goals above replacement. Again, like Segan dollars ahead of him. Um, and if you're projecting forward, I think that's a safe bet. I was doing it just looking at the first forty games or so. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely fair. Fox has just been so like, I'm giving him credit that he doesn't really have help either. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like we um, we for years have not been super high on the Rangers roster, and yet it doesn't matter when Adam Fox is on the ice. No, he just like he's one of the reasons that you can just get guaranteed this team will be okay. Yeah. Him, their power play usually, and then Shesterkin, <laughs> the Holy Trinity in New York. Literally. Um, yeah, no, that, that's fair. I, again, I, and he's at a point per game. Yep. It, yeah, he's been really, really good. I, I feel like the point per game thing is maybe even quieter than uh, um, you would think. And maybe some of that's just because scoring's up. Like he's still only fourth in points for defensemen. But um, I don't know. He's been unreal this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I So, yeah, I had five. I had kind of like basically in a tie with him. I had Josh Morrissey. At four, and I would expect Fox to pass Morrissey by the end of the year. Uh, Morrissey's second among all defensemen in goals above replacement uh, for evolving hockey, anyways. Uh, and again, he is, I think, third in defenseman points. Um, points aren't everything in this. I try. It looks bad because a bunch of the top guys I have on my ballot are top in points, but um, a lot of the top guys do other stuff as well. That's why they're high in points. Yes, exactly. They move the puck so well for their team offensively and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have Morrissey there. We've already talked about him a bunch. I I think he'll probably slip down the ballot as the year goes on, but I uh, wanted to give him credit for a good first half of the year. That's pretty fair. I had Morrissey a little bit on the outside. He's benefited more than most from on ice shooting, which is why he <laughs> yep. will inevitably fall down that ballot sooner rather than later. But still been crazy to watch him so far. Yep. Uh, who do you have as honorable mentions? 
Um, I had Rasmus Dallin as my honorable mention. I had Dallin too. Okay, that's more than fair. Again, another one I could probably see slipping probably by the end of the year, but he's just been really, really good on a team that I, like I, you know, we kind of talk about it with like Powers and and now Power had Dallin help him to shelter him. Dallin hasn't really had anyone but Power on this blue line. No, it's kind of him carrying. And, you know, that, that's why it's been so impressive to me. Um, and, you know, obviously he's been, him bouncing back has been a big reason that this team has been, you know, better this year, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I, there's, again, like the, from one to five are all kind of guys that I think you could kind of throw at this point in any area, and I would be mad. And, and um, yeah, seeing Dele bounce back and just be, you know, solid kind of all around has been a reason I put him up to two. Yeah, that's that's fair. Another feather in uh, Don Coronado's cap. Speaking of, uh, or to reference past, because this has been his arrival. Yeah, absolutely. And like, if people want to know how aggressive the gap is, so it goes: Deline at twelve point five goals for replacement, then Power at four point nine, Lawrence Peelett, who's only played seventeen games, is at two. Everyone else's names. Yeah, which makes sense looking at the names. Yeah, like Matias Samuelson, Henry Yogaru, Jacob Bryson, Ilya Labushkin, like. Just a bunch of guys. He kind of like all four of those guys I named are probably number six defensemen. Yeah, exactly. Like three of them are playing above a number six. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's that's why I had uh, Deline at uh, two. But yeah, right, right in that range, I think is is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so On the last turn here, at least my two is gone. Your one is gone. Let's see. Who do you have at three? Is it the same? I have Eric Carlson. Ah, I. Didn't let my bias hold me back here. Eric Carlson's my number one. He has been absolutely freaking lights out. Although Fox has been way better defensively, which is what I went to Fox. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, Carlson, not surprisingly, his entire value is coming from offense. Um, yep, he is who we thought he was. Yep, exactly. And uh, a big reason I put him one, do you know he's leading the league in even strength points right now? Not defensemen, the league. That's disgusting, especially looking at his forwards. Well, and and so this is the big reason I put him one. And again, like, I mean, if he keeps doing this, I think he has at least an argument for the Norris. But I don't think he'll win it just because of how bad his team is. I just don't think his numbers are going to be able to hold up all year. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's going to get hard to sustain. But if you're looking at it from just right now, I mean, I just like he's had six more even strength points than Sidney Crosby. And if you go, oh, he's merching on second assist. No, 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 no. Eight goals, 21 first assists, eight second assists. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like, he's got, uh, let me see where he ranks in first assists among the league. First. By eight. Kucherov is second. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. So, um, um, and this is all five out of five. But, yeah, like, he's just been absolutely insane. Like, good on the power play. Like, I'm so... Burns has been a better fit on Carolina than, you know, like I think even, even than I thought maybe, but I'm just so happy Burns is off that power play so that Carlson can be the sole guy running it. Yeah. Well, and Burns made so many inefficient shots too. Like made no sense. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, just so far this year, like, yeah, Carlson means, you know, per usual kind of leaves a little bit to be desired defensively. But I think at this point in his career, you kind of got to know that's what he's going to bring. Um, and he's just been so elite offensively with absolutely, you know, nothing to work with. Like 
we talk about Adam Fox. Uh, the San Jose roster is, I mean, they, they've some good names, obviously, Hurdle, Timo Meyer, and, you know, Logan Couture is not bad either. But, like, again, when Logan Couture is the third best player I'm naming, it's not a great roster. Yeah, it gets ugly fast. Um, so, yeah, that, that's why I cross them one. Uh, I think three is fair as well. Yeah, somewhere up there. Um, was Lindholm your other player? He was. Yes, mine too. So I have a Lindholm three, you have them two, then, correct? Yep. Apparently Lindholm is Charlie McAvoy. <laughs> so this is the thing like, I just don't get. And I said, we're going to talk about Boston enough. It's like, Charlie McAvoy's hurt to start this year. This decor looks horrible. I'm like, we liked the Lindholm move, I thought, last year. Like, paid a not bad price. And the contract, considering they were going for it, wasn't like, unreasonable but i was like yeah lindholm's like a if he can be a two with mcavoy that's awesome you know like be his partner be a two three that you know you've been needing for mcavoy you know it's probably you know we're not going to get 24 year old hampus lindholm but we're getting better than 24 year old hampus lindholm he's just going to be an all-star like best top three defensemen in the league. yeah absolutely amazing you can put uh you put his even strength numbers against adam fox and go i can't tell the difference which is yes. stupid it's just absolutely disgusting. And again, you want to talk about not having help. Uh, this decor doesn't look that great with McAvoy back, um, just in terms of like names, anyways. Like obviously they're functioning very well um, without him. And like Carlo was hurt for a while. And like again, I don't. I think Carlo's kind of overrated, but he's still probably the fourth best defenseman on this decor. It was like Lindholm, Grizzlick, Forward, Zaboro, Connor Clifton, like just a bunch of who's who. Yeah, Anton Stallman, I want to say, played Mike Riley got waived this year. Like, it says so much about Lindholm that the blue line's been functional, and Brandon Carlo being injured actually means something to them. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, um, yeah, Lindholm's been absolutely amazing. I think if you want to argue him one for the first half of this year, too, I would have absolutely complaints. Yeah, um, that's a Pretty, that makes sense. You know, most of our top three was kind of right in the middle of the list there. Either an honorable mention for everyone else or for the other person or not. Um, and I mean, that's, this year. It, it really is. I'm excited to see how the year evolves here. Like, I do think it is could be a year open for a guy like Adam Fox to step up and take it. Or, you know, if the Devils keep doing it, like a Dougie Hamilton, this could be his year. If he, you know, keeps producing and, and the Devils can take that step to reclaim the division. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get on to the big one. The heart. My first one I want to mention, I'm not even going to lie, I cheated. I put Pasternak and Bergeron. Um, sure. We've talked about so many Bruins people already on these lists that, like, I don't think I could have them one or two just in terms of purely valuable, but, like, they've been some of the best players in the league, so I wanted to give them their credit. Yeah, they definitely deserve credit, especially if you wanted to be like, yeah, Patrice Bergeron, the best player on the best team in the league, give it to him. I'd be like, yeah, yeah that's fair. Exactly. Uh, and then my other, my actual honorable mention who's sitting at four for me uh, is a little man by the name of, well, a big man by the name of Tate Thompson. We have the same four. That's funny. Nice. Awesome. Let's go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like Thompson's been unreal. Uh, I gave, I held him back a little bit just because, you know, um, his team is probably the worst out of the next couple teams with players teams that I'm going to mention. And also, We've had mentioned two of his teammates now already in terms of Deline and Power. Um, he's leading the way offensively, having an outstanding year, obviously, and everything like that. Um, but it's just a, a tier below the three guys that are ahead of him, in my opinion. But still, just absolutely phenomenal season. Yeah, absolutely nuts. I hold him back because I don't think he's good enough defensively to be ahead of these guys. Obviously, it's not like 
his defensive struggles make him not worth it as a player or anything. But in the context of the three best players in the entire league this year, I think it can start to hurt you. Yeah, for sure. Um, exactly. Um, yeah, like for a goals above replacement, he's 21st among forwards, which like, again, not bad by any means. And and that's why, you know, you can't just use one stat to evaluate everything, uh, but yeah. definitely a, a reason why he is a, a tier lower. Yeah, exactly. All right, who do you have at three? At three? I have, uh, I think I'm the only person to give this guy a heart vote I've ever seen on Twitter, even for this midseason stuff. I have Mark Stone. That's a, that's a good one. That, that's a very, I had debated him. Yeah, he, I think he's second in goals above replacement. Vegas was magically bad when Stone gets hurt. Now they're magically good when peak Mark Stone comes back. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yep, yeah, no, I I would agree with you. I think, um, yeah, he was a guy who I just had off my list as well. It was right on that short, you know, right around six or so. Um, I kind of leaned into Jack Eichel's also ninth in goals above replacement. So I was kind of like, well, it's him and Eichel, which I mean, still, like Stone's been absolutely unreal as well. Um, but I, I kind of weighed as well. I was like, oh, well, is Eichel up there too? Like, that's a fair reason as well. Petrangelo looks better this year too. Um, but yeah, no, like Stone has been just absolutely amazing. And like, again, like Chandler Stevenson's 23rd in goals above replacement. I can guarantee you that's not Chandler Stevenson's doing. Yeah, not a chance. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, uh, I'm i always here for Mark Stone, but I think that's a very solid pick. And uh, one that I, if Vegas continues to kind of like just coast in the playoffs and wins the Pacific by like eight points or whatever, nine points, I think he's going to get some love for sure. Yeah, and he should. So, yeah. Best. Best players on some of the best teams in the league are never bad picks. Yep, exactly. Um, for me, I have another guy who, uh, similar to um, Tage Thompson, actually wasn't near as high in goals above replacement as I thought he uh, might be, but I want to give him some love uh, regardless. And that's Jason Robertson. He's, yeah, Jason uh, Robertson's he's cooled off a little bit, but he's been awesome. Yeah, he's fifth in points and which 29 goals, 29 assists. So, you know, I, I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, the reason he might cool off a bit just because I'm assuming his shooting percentage is probably relatively high without actually looking at it. Um, like he hasn't been bad by any means, even by goals above replacement. He's at 8.8, which ranks him um, 27th in the entire league. Uh, but again, just like lower, a little lower than you would have maybe thought a player like him to be. Um, but he's been. I, again, like he's just restarted a Dallas offense that has now turned from a team that I thought should be legitimately rebuilding just two years ago to uh, first in their division by three points. And I think absolutely going to win this division just because of how injured Colorado is. But like one of the few teams I would still like one of the only teams really in the West other than the Golden Knights. And maybe if the Flames really put their shit together that I would trust to even have a series against the Avalanche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty short list. So, uh, and yeah, Robertson's been leading that way. Um, and, you know, like Dallas is just they're one of the best teams in the league and he's their best player. So, um, I, again, I don't know if he'll finish that high, but for half the season, he started off super hot. Uh, I couldn't imagine dropping him in fantasy like someone uh, in our <laughs> league definitely did. But just to clarify, neither Chase or I did, but our friend did drop Jason Robertson in fantasy uh, and put him on waivers. Just absolutely insane. Um, truly, truly inspiring. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, he's three on my dog. Yeah, that's fair. Looking at uh, his like RAPM numbers, I'm mildly surprised some of his 
all in one metrics aren't higher actually. Yeah, like, he's done everything thing. well. Like I, because yeah, like it's not like he's just coasting off a shooting percentage. Like I'm sure it's probably high, but it's not. It's, he's not shooting thirty percent, and that's all he's doing well. Like his um, play driving and Corsi four and expected goals for sixty are both very strong, and his defensive numbers are good too. Yeah, exactly. His defensive numbers are good, and like even like uh, let's check this. If his shooting percentage is high, which I'm sure it is. It'll be, I bet you yeah, it's, it's at 17%, but yeah. it was 18 last year. Like, he's probably just a really good shooter. Exactly. Like, I, I was about to bet. I was like, I bet you he's at, like, 18, and I would say maybe he dips to, like, 14 and a half or something. Yeah, he's uh, he's point, 0.3% above his career average on 500 shots right now. So, yeah, he's just probably a great shooter. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, he's three for me. Who do you have at two? At two, I have Jack Hughes. Me as well. That means we are going to have the same one. I really debated putting Hughes one. I just couldn't do it. Not to any fault of his own. Um, definitely you can make a pretty good argument he's one. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, again, similar, like the, the doubles have been absolutely unreal this year. And a massive, massive, massive part of that has been Jack Hughes taking that breakout step we all hoped he would. Yeah, from a first line center to a top must see top line player score on pace for like 50 goals yeah like a projection model will probably forecast him to be better than nathan mckinnon i would assume yeah especially given yeah like when when you consider his age he's what 22 yeah like if 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 you were betting on who has a higher goals above replacement or whatever next year jack hughes is a better bet than nathan mckinnon yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I thought you meant even just by career standard, too. Because, yeah, like McKinnon dipped for a number of years there, whereas Hughes is now looking like an MVP candidate at 21. At 20, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, he's been just absolutely insane this year. Um, uh, and, again, I think he's first among all skaters in goals above replacement for evolving hockey. Just nuts. Yeah, the best play driver on the best play driving team in the league. Plus, uh, he was the thing going around Twitter yesterday. He's played at 100 and point pace his last 82 games um he's just electric to watch i don't think there's enough everything good you can say about a player you can say about jack hughes basically yeah exactly like he's just um you know he good defense he's been good defensively this year i think that's the one area of the game where uh to keep watching it to see if it stays consistent year to year um, but yeah, just from a, especially from a this year standpoint, uh, he has done everything you can ask for and more, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, number one, it's Connor McDavid, right? Connor McPower play. Yeah, it has to be. Um, yeah, so this is the interesting argument is how much you weigh five on five in power play. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago about like the people calling him a power play merchant or whatever, but like. Power play is part of the game and a massive reason why the Oilers are even relatively close to the playoffs. Yeah, 100%. Also, the whole reason he's been a power play merchant this year is because his on-ice shooting percentage of 5-on-5 has been really, really low. Um, You're free to assume that Connor McDavid is a guy who drives Zach Hyman-like shooting deficits at 5-on-5. I don't think he's that kind of a player. I'm going to go out on a, on a big limb and say he's actually a positive driver of shooting percentage of 505. I know it's crazy. 
but uh, I'm going to call that bad luck. Yeah, you're really taking a bold stance with that one, but I would tend to agree with you. Yeah, Connor McDavid's probably a good offensive player if I had to just guess, you know. Exactly. And yeah, like that's the thing too, is like he's just, he's been unlucky at five on five this year. And, you know, it's made people go, oh, he's power play merchant, power play merchant. Like, well, no. And also, like, you know, he hasn't been good defensively either. But again, it's not like early career McDavid where he's like three standard deviations in all defensive metrics. He's just been fine. But he's so good offensively, it doesn't matter. The only the only thing that is struggling for him offensively is his goal score for 60 compared to where he usually is. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, um, goals of a replacement models downgrade power play production for a very good reason because it's easier to play replace league-wide. Um, but for the Hart Trophy, you have to – you're not thinking league-wide. You're thinking relative to their team. The Edmonton Oilers have absolutely no way to replace literally anything Connor McDavid does. Yeah, and again, to to more of the point of the you want to keep betting on him to have that uh, on-ice shooting percentage, he's plus 23% in expected goals for per 60 at 5-on-5, five five, like even strength uh, this year. Yeah. He's just isolated impact. Like that's got to be the highest in the league. Yeah, and I don't fancy myself a scout, but uh, watched him play a few times. I think he's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, him and, yeah, like I say, him at the NHL level and that Bedard kid at the junior level, not bad players. Yeah, they're both all right. Above exactly. average, for sure. Pretty good. Um, yeah, I I had Big David down two originally when we were doing this because I was like, oh, like, I, I want a hot take it. Like, I think Big David will win it, but I want Hughes in there for the first half. And I looked, I was like, Hughes has been unreal, but, like, man, McDavid has just been so good. Yeah, it's it's stupid and he's just again the value to his team like the devils are the best play driving team in the league and jack hughes is the best player driver on that team but the devils have a lot of options the edmonton oilers have two two good players yeah like you take jack hughes off the new jersey devils and they're probably still they're making the islanders are right now in that wild card area right yeah where you you take you take McDavid off the Oilers. They are even with Drysaddle. I bet you they're a bottom five team. Like they're probably hunting for lottery. lottery. Tweeting Bedard highlights. Yeah, literally. Um, and in St. Louis, like you take Robertson off of Dallas. I bet you Dallas is still fighting in that division. Not Sam yeah. McDavid though. So yeah, duh. the dude's on pace for like 145 points or whatever it is. It's just. It's not stupid. Chris, a friend of the podcast at Yolo Pinata was tweeting. I don't know how he calculated this, but it was like the supporting cast of McDavid and Dreisaitl versus Crosby and Malkin. And Crosby and Malkin's worst supporting cast. And these were guys who missed out on multiple cup runs because of how horrifically the team was constructed around them for like half a decade. Their worst supporting cast was still better than Edmonton's best thus far. Yeah, um, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like this year was the one we said might be the best because they had a Vander Kane and got hurt. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's just absolutely insane. I don't want to talk about the ineptitude of uh, Edmonton. <laughs> I just want to be happy with how good Connor McDavid is. So we'll, yeah, we'll do that. We've talked for far too long to start that conversation right now. Exactly. Um, all right. Uh, that was a good episode. I hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, always fun doing the midseason awards. Uh, kind of nice break in the season. It's kind of crazy to think we're already halfway through the year, right? Eh? Like it's uh, it's gone quick. Kind of breeze by with not a lot happening. Yeah, exactly. For how many episodes we kind of started feeling like, oh, there was much to talk about this week. It's been it's been very quick. So um 
yeah, look forward to the trade deadline. will be here in a month or two before we know it. And then we'll be kind of getting ready for playoffs. So uh, yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed. Thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, you can find my stuff at lastwordonhockey.com. You can find Chase's stuff at actionnetwork.com. Chase on Twitter at CFHockey66. And myself on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, we'll be back at you next week. Thanks.